Well, what a joy it is to see you here this morning. I'm thankful to God for your attendance on this very cold January day. It blesses my heart, and we have already been blessed here today. We have worshiped, and now I encourage you to turn with me as we worship in the Word by turning to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We are in the series called Suffering. Last week, in your small group study through Sunday school or you're at home study through the quarterly, we begin to lay the doctrinal foundation for suffering and also the hope in our suffering, which is Jesus Christ and the gospel. Now, today I'm steering a different course from your class and study material, and I want to be upfront with you about that, but still with the theme of suffering. Today's title message, as you see in your bulletin, is what are you carrying with you into your suffering? What are you carrying with you into your suffering? And we'll be looking at many other aspects of suffering to help uh, encourage you to lift the gospel in the name of Jesus high in the weeks to come and also building up the Christian through the Word of God. And so at this time, if you are physically able, I'll ask if you'll stand with me as honor and reverence of the reading of God's holy word today from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I will also say that tonight I will be using this same scripture, but looking at it differently and speaking to you about endurance in your faith. And so I hope that you'll come back tonight at 6.30. Hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. May God bless the reading of His Word today. All of God's children said, you may be seated. Precious Savior, we come to you at this time, being reminded through your Word, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on how to run this race. You know our difficulties, Lord, and you saw our miserable lost state, and you came in the flesh and walked among us and with us. You suffered with us and for us at the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we rejoice that you did that through love for us. Now bless us, Lord, and speak to us. And may you be glorified today in this message. And may your dear saints be edified. And may those who might not know you as Lord and Savior be pointed to the glorious victory that we find in you today and be drawn to the throne of grace in Jesus' name. Amen. For a few moments today, I want us to look at verse 1 especially. Uh, In the latter part of verse 1, let us also lay aside. And I just want us for a few moments to look at those words, to lay aside. That's a conscious decision with the help of the Lord to get rid of is basically what that means. Let us also get rid of, lay aside. We're choosing 
with the help of God to lay aside. And what are we laying aside in this race? Every weight, and that Greek word speaks of bulk weight upon us, uh, an obstruction, a hindrance, or an obstacle. When we pick up weights many times, to be honest with you, we're doing the devil's work for him. We choose to pick those up many times, and we have to lay those aside. It's uh, something that we do not need to do, basically. Or some things, in, in many cases, they, we were not meant to carry these weights. And we think we have to. We think if we don't, no one will. Or we think from a, some other compulsion that we must pick some of these obstacles up and carry them. But they weigh us down for the race. And I want you to note, these aren't always sinful or bad things. They might be good things, but they might not be meant for you to pick up and carry and to weigh you down in the race. And here, the writer of Hebrews says you need to set those things aside, lay them aside, get rid of these weights, that these bulk weights that push you down while you're trying to run the race of life. But not only the weight, these obstructions, these hindrances, or these obstacles that we choose to pick up many times, he also says, and sin. Now, specifically, and again in the Greek, that is not just sin in general, but it speaks of particular sins. Actually, some translations say it better there that I like in this point. It says, and the sin, the sin. Well, who was the author of Hebrews writing to, mainly Jews that had received Jesus Christ, but through difficulties and persecution, they were wanting to go back into Judaism and go back to the law. And so this was a sin, I believe, that he speaks of, a sin of unbelief. A sin of unbelief that Jesus Christ is enough. He is all that we need. And also a defecting from the gospel turning away from the gospel. And we see very harsh warnings in the book of Hebrews that at times can be very confusing to some of us doctrinally. But we see those in Hebrews, and that's why he's writing them. These were many Christian Jews that were being tempted to return to Judaism and to leave their Christian faith. So this is a particular sin of unbelief and defecting from the gospel. Now, the sin, or the sin of unbelief, clings so closely to us. Uh, that's an interesting uh, reminder, isn't it? Don't ever think that you are above sin. That's when you are in it the greatest. Don't ever think that you can't be captured. That's when you will fall. We must always be reminded that sin clings closely to us. It is easy to capture us or to ensnare us in the trap. And so we must run the race with endurance. Now you might ask this morning, why would you choose this text to deal with the thought of suffering? Well, because I believe in our suffering, we do pick up many weights in life that we were not intended to carry. Again, many times with good intentions. And also there is the sin, particular sins that we carry along with us. Now, if you look in your bulletin on the uh, page that has the order of service, 
I asked Jennifer to put this quote in here from the book called Suffering from Paul David Tripp. And if you are going through suffering right now, that is a good book that I ordered to help me prepare in some ways for this series of messages. Now, if you look in there, I'm going to read it because it is part of the message, but I encourage you to take this bulletin with you and to read it again. And I was captivated by his keenness and astute observations in this aspect of suffering. And he said, as you can read, you and I never come to our suffering empty-handed. Now, right then, that caught my attention when I was reading in the book. And he goes on to explain. We always drag a bag full of experiences, expectations, assumptions, perceptives, perspectives, desires, intentions, and decisions into our suffering. So our lives are shaped not just by what we suffer, but what we bring into our suffering. What you think about yourself, life, God, and others will profoundly affect the way you think about, interact with, and respond to the difficulty that comes your way. Again, Paul David Tripp from the book Suffering. Paul David Tripp suggests that there are things that we carry into moments of suffering that makes the pain of suffering even more difficult. And so I want to look at this list, and it's not an exhaustive list, and I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you about maybe what you're carrying into your suffering in your life right now. And that makes it even more painful when we enter into times or seasons of suffering. And I've got to be honest with you, I have seen from this list... Uh, Throughout my life, I've been guilty of all of these things. And sometimes in different points of life, I've carried these things in my life and at times into my suffering. The first is a wrong or weak understanding of God and His Word. Now, the better way to uh, say that is poor theology. Poor theology will cause a lot more suffering uh, and pain than the suffering itself. I was speaking with Fran uh, Capone before church, and to speak with a seasoned Christian, speak about suffering in her family's life, and her theology of that, and trusting God, is so, is so beautiful, and it gives such strength in times of suffering, even in her family. But those with a poor understanding, or a weak understanding of God and His Word, will suffer even more greatly. Let me give you just a couple of examples. One is, many people think when they enter into suffering that God is angry with me and He's punishing me. Now, certainly we do at times suffer consequences for decisions we've made. Amen? And also there are times that God sovereignly allows us to be tested or to go through suffering. But it is not to destroy us. It is always to build us up. It is always to draw us more closely to Him. But the thought that God is angry with me. Child of God, if, if you have received the grace of Jesus Christ, if Jesus is your Savior, if God is your Father, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, I want to tell you what the Scripture says. He has cast your sins as far as the east of the west. Cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And he's not going to bring up a sin from 10 years ago and all of a sudden decide to be mad at you and punish you for that sin. 
But many people believe that, that God is angry with me. Now, poor understanding of God and His Word, if you think God is angry with you, if you think that God is punishing you, you're going to, be, you're going to find it harder to draw near to Him in those times. Amen? How uncomfortable is it when you have a friend or a family member that's, that you feel is angry with you or might be punishing with you? Do you run to that person with full confidence? Or are you nervous or scared about the next time you encounter them? Or how you're going to talk through this? And so it is in our relationship with God. If Child of God, if you feel that God is angry with you all the time and is always punishing you for every decision, especially a decision when you were 16, 18, 20, whatever... Uh, if you've asked forgiveness, God has forgiven you. I thought of John 9, and you remember the story in John chapter 9, and if you don't, that's okay. You look that up later where Jesus and the disciples are walking, and there is a blind man. He's begging. He's been blind since birth. And the disciples asked him many times what we think. Uh, Master, who sinned for this man to be blind? Did he sin or his mother and father sinned? And Jesus let them know that was a poor understanding of God. He said, neither one of them sinned. But this has happened so that you would see the glory of God. We think that many times in the world, especially that used to be very common, especially in these days, but also throughout history, that if something bad happens to someone, sometimes we think, well, they probably deserved it. They probably did something really bad and God is really getting them, right? We thought that. But that keeps us from being close to God. It's a poor theology and understanding of God. On the other end of that spectrum, a poor understanding of God and His Word, uh, that Christians always have a happy ending in this life on this side of heaven. We know that's not true. You see this even in Hebrews 11, the chapter before this. You read that chapter of these people that walked by faith. Not all of them had happy endings to their life. Many of them died as martyrs in terrible ways. And not only biblically do we find that untrue, but also historically in Christianity that is untrue. We quote scriptures like Romans 8.28 that says all things work for good for those who love the Lord and who are called according to His purpose. That is a true promise. I'm not telling you that that's not a true promise. But I am saying you can't just pull that out of context and think that everything's going to work out on in this life the way that you want it. Specifically in the context, Paul's been arguing for many chapters or teaching us about justification by faith. And so when he makes that statement in its context, he's talking about our justification or our salvation, our redemption. And yes, in the end, all things will work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. But it doesn't mean that we all see happy endings the way that we would like in this life. So one, uh, sometimes in the suffering we carry a wrong or weak understanding of God or poor theology. And that hurts us. Even It makes the suffering even more painful unto us. Secondly, doubt of God's goodness and providence. We saw this last week in Genesis 3 when uh, Eve was deceived by the serpent. And what did he do? He began to cast doubt uh, into Eve's life, that God's holding out on you. God doesn't want you to eat that because you'll be like Him. And she began to doubt God's goodness, God's providence in their life. 
Suffering, really, here's, here's something very important. Suffering exposes what we're really putting our hope in in the first place. It does. It exposes that. It strips us naked when we suffer. And if we doubt the presence and the promises and the providence of God in our lives, suffering will be more painful. And like the old hymn says, we say today, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We must not doubt God's goodness for our life, His presence in our life, His promises, and His how He provides for His children. Doubt of God's goodness and providence will make your suffering much more painful. Thirdly, this is one that uh, we see quite often as well. Unrealistic expectations of life. I think, uh, personally, that my generation uh, down have, have had unrealistic expectations of life. We think it'll go according to plan. If I put the plan together, all the pieces will fall in. We want to build the road and then ask God to bless our road instead of walking the road that He has for us. And we forget that even as believers, we are in a cursed body. This body's getting older and weaker and dying until the Lord's return when He makes us new and all things new. And we are in a world that is in the bondage of sin, as the Scriptures teach us. And so things don't always go according to plan. We have unrealistic expectations of life. And when those expectations aren't met, we're very disappointed. And we enter into suffering. And we're more bitter and hard. We also must remember that nothing stays the same in this world. Amen? It is ever-changing. Little goes according to plan, but even in the things that do go according to plan, they don't stay the same forever. They do change. I want to speak to you this morning that also in your unrealistic expectations of life, that also goes for yourself. Unrealistic expectations for yourself will bring you great sorrow. In your vocabulary, do you constantly beat yourself down by saying, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should, 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 should. You are just getting yourself in a rut of being disappointed in yourself, of always failing because you did not meet your expectations that in the first place were very unrealistic to begin with. And when you go into times of suffering, those unrealistic expectations make it much more painful. Now, number four, unrealistic expectations of others. We do this as well. Look around you this morning. Turn your head and look around. Beautiful people. Many beautiful, beautiful people of faith who have received Jesus Christ, who believe in the Word, who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Wonderful gifts of God all around you. But you know what they are? You know what's standing before you? Just a sinner saved by grace. Don't ever forget that. A sinner saved by grace. And we are not yet fully perfected until the Lord's return. And sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of others. Not one in this room today. Not me, no man, no woman. Listen to me, young ladies. The only man that will meet all your expectations is Jesus Christ. The same way for you, young men. Believe that. 
It's very true. No one in this room, not me, no man, no woman, no beautiful child even, as glorious as that is, can meet or fix the deepest wounds in your soul. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can heal you. Only Jesus. My father and my mother were great and godly and wonderful parents. And if I'd had the ability to put in an order for parents, I could not have ordered a better set of parents than I was given. I was blessed. But you know what? They still weren't perfect. Our house still had some issues from time to time. Most of it was Sherry's fault. She's not here today, so I'll say it. But you know what mom and dad did? They pointed us to Christ. And don't expect others to do what only Jesus Christ can do for you. Unrealistic expectations of others will make suffering much more painful. Number five, pride. Now by this, I don't just mean arrogance. Although I will say that there have been times when we go through suffering or some people think that they should not have to suffer as others. They're shocked by it. Wait a minute. I'm a good person. I work hard. I've tried hard to raise my family. There's many bums out there not doing any of those things. So the truth is sometimes that's pride. That is pride and arrogance. But I don't necessarily mean of that, but the pride of self-reliance. The pride of self-reliance. You've heard of the old saying, I heard it years ago, I did not hear it in my home, because we were taught to rely upon the Lord. But when I began to work, I heard this saying. I was reminded of it again this past week in watching a documentary of a life on Netflix. But he had it tattooed on his arm. If it's to be, it's what? Up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. That's the theology of much of the world. And what that basically says, I'm strong enough. I have enough connections. I'm smart enough. I'm successful enough to get through this. I want to tell you today, pride, as the Bible teaches us, always goes before the fall. The pride of not only arrogance, but self-reliance will lead you to many disappointments, unrealistic expectations, and it is revealed in times of suffering like no other time. Pride. If you carry pride into suffering, my friend, you will be greatly humbled and it will be more painful. Number six, materialism. Now, this doesn't mean, again, necessarily that you chase after materialistic idols, which many do. But, even as Christians, we can place too much of our security, if you will, and our hope and our good feelings in things like our home, in things like our health, in things like our good insurance policy, which that does make you feel better, Paul, but still... Our possessions, our jobs, our bank account, our retirement fund. Do we place more hope and rely upon those things for our security than God? The problem with that is these can all be lost quickly. Quickly. Everything taken from you. It has happened before, it's happening now, it will happen again. I didn't say it's bad to have those things. As a matter of fact, those are wonderful things and blessings from God. But we can find a false sense of security in them. 
And when those things are removed, and our hope and security and peace was found in those things, then it makes our time of suffering much more painful and bitter and causes our heart to grow hard. The only safe place to look is unto Jesus. Amen? Again, all of these things do change and they disappear, but Christ does not. Aren't you glad of that today? He is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And a child of God is never separated from the love that we find in Jesus Christ. Lastly, things that we carry into our suffering is selfism. That's a big one in America. Really started, I think, with my generation, but it was before. It's always been there, but it's rampant in our midst today. Rampant. Let me ask you this, and don't answer this out loud, please. And I don't know if anybody would admit to that, but do we really live like that? Do you act or think that the world turns around you? Or else do you have a very small world that is based on your rights, your wants, your needs, your passions and desires? And if so, my friend, suffering will be worse for you because we find that life isn't about us, it's about God. And He is the only one that will be worshipped forever. Not my rights, not my entitlements, but God. This is His plan, His redemptive purpose. We find ourselves in the Bible, but really the Bible is God's story He is revealing Himself to us and His redemptive plan and purpose to glorify Himself and draw a people unto Himself throughout eternity. What are you carrying into your suffering? Are there other things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you today? And as I said before, I've seen all of these in my life in different seasons of my life. We all have carried these maybe in small ways at times. There were times I did have bad theology of understanding and thought God was just angry with me or punishing me. There have been times I've had doubt. Let's be real. There have been times I've had unrealistic expectations of life, even of myself. and still do struggle with that at times, just to be honest with you. There have been times that I've been more concerned about myself, unrealistic expectations of others, pride, materialism, finding security in these things. We don't, as Paul David Tripp said, go into suffering empty-handed, but we carry something into suffering with us. These are things that can hurt us, that can make suffering more painful unto us. Cause us to stay in it longer. Cause us to get bitter instead of better. So what is the antidote, if you will, when we are carrying these things and other things into our suffering? Well, the first is the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 too. Looking to Jesus, the founder or the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, And we look at him who for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy set before him? You, glorifying the Father. He was looking at you and thinking of you when he was on the cross of Calvary. 
There was a joy set before him even in his pain of doing the Father's will, of bringing and drawing a people unto himself and redeeming them. And for that joy that was set before him, he endured the suffering of the cross, despising the shame of the cross. And now he is seated at the right hand of God and he is coming again to bring his children home. Look unto Jesus. Keep your eyes upon Jesus Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ in all things. Trust Him. Secondly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and 9, we read of an account where the Apostle Paul had been given a thorn in his flesh. The thorn, it tells us, the Bible explains why the thorn was given. God allowed it to keep him humble because of the glorious things that he had been allowed to see in paradise. And not only that, but the many miracles and works of God. And so God allowed a thorn. We don't know what that thorn is, but it was a thorn and it caused suffering to keep him humble in life and dependent upon God. He prayed three times. God removed this thorn. God removed this thorn. God removed this thorn. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he goes on to explain, But he said to me, Who? God, the Lord Jesus. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Beloved, keep your eyes upon Jesus and understand that even in the midst of suffering, His grace is sufficient. He is all you need to keep you in times of suffering and to bring you safely into your eternal home. Lastly, one that is, I find, very difficult. We find it in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Now, just picture yourself being persecuted and suffering. And this is what James wrote. Count it all joy, my brothers. Now, he's not saying enjoy the suffering. Nobody enjoys suffering. But he says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we fix our eyes upon Jesus. We're daily understanding and believing that His grace is sufficient for us in all circumstances in life and times of suffering. And when we do suffer, we count it all joy because we know that the Lord is drawing us closer into Himself and perfecting us in our faith. Here's a misconception. That all suffering is evil. Suffering isn't always evil in and of itself, but it's used to grow us. It's used to purify us. It's used to cause us to cling tightly to Jesus Christ in all things. I don't know about you, but I would have to say that it has been in times of suffering in my life when I have seen the face of Jesus more clearly than at other times. Did I enjoy the suffering? No. Did God grow me in it? Yes. And it calls me to reach to Him even more so than when things were good. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Understand His grace is sufficient for you even when the thorns press deeply 
into your soul and count it all joy knowing that God is working for your benefit and for His glory. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, when you trust in His grace daily and know that He even uses our suffering to draw us closer to Him, we'll find victory in our suffering. Somebody say amen to that. Not only that, but we will live a life that glorifies God. And not only that, we're going to live a life that will also leave some deep footprints for others to follow us all the way to the gates of glory. Amen. But you know, without Him, you can do nothing. And without Him, you will fail. If you're carrying these and maybe other things into your suffering, ask God to help you remove them. Ask Him to help you fix your eyes upon Him, to trust in His grace, and to count it all joy, knowing that He's working all things for your good and His glory. But again, beloved, without Him, Without Him in your life, suffering is worse and more painful. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never received His free gift of grace, if you've never looked to the cross of Calvary and called out for the blood to forgive you and cleanse you and make you whole, for Jesus to make you ready for a heavenly home, beloved, you are now an enemy of God. Those aren't my words. That's the words of the Bible. And you might say, well, I'm a pretty good person. But see, the Bible looks at you two ways. You're either in Christ, you're either serving Christ, or you're serving Satan. You might say, I don't worship Satan. But you're falling for his traps. You're living for the flesh. You might say, you might have that selfism or that pride to say, you know what, Pastor? You don't know me too well, and I'm pretty clever, and I can get through life just myself, and I'm a strong person. But, beloved, you might afford to live without him, but you can't afford to die without him. And today, don't leave this life without Jesus Christ, or you'll spend eternity in a devil's hell. Heavenly Father, draw us to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.